the... Oh, he did that. That was me talking to myself as I watched a YouTube time-lapse video of a guy doing a fantastic painting on a wall, a mural, or something. All I know is that he started out with some blobs of paint. A few of them were black bobs, blobs, and he came out with this fantastic um, rendering of something out of uh, his fantasy imagination. All I can say is, it got me to thinking. I got to step my creative game up. Hey, this is Michelle Spive, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. And I want you to join me on the flip as we take a look at how to stop the ravages, the ravages of creative deterioration. I'll see you on the flip. That was a good book. I was reading a a book that I had taken a chance on because of the name and I was engrossed in it. And not only was I engrossed in it, I was inspired by it. You see, this book took something that I would have never thought of, although it was something that I was somewhat versed in and took another thing that I was really uh, excited about, had always enjoyed and smashed them together to come up with this fantastic book. Now, the book I'm talking about is called Orconomics, and it is a fantasy genre fiction book, but it is predicated on an economics for um, a fictional world. And it's funny. It's got action. It's got all the things you would expect. It even has elements of um, literary role-playing games in it. Um, Not where there's levels, badges, and scores and all that, but it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek looking at the roles of the hero and uh, the bard and all of these different players that you would find in a game and the people that you might find in a uh, fantasy genre. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this book, just a little bit. Well, it's two books. First of all, it's two books in the series, and I recommend both of them. The first one is called Orconomics, a Satire, and it's part of the Dark Prophet Saga series. And at this particular time, there are two books in the series. The second one is called The Sun, Sun, excuse me, it's called Son of a Leech, and it's book two. And these are written by a gentleman by the name of J, just the letter J, Zachary Pike. Don't worry, as usual, I'll, I'll drop the book links in the show notes. But why am I giving a shout out to a book called Orconomics? Well, I'm giving a shout out because this book, these books, I should say, these books, did something and to me that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. And what they did was is they got me out of my downward descent into creative deterioration. They got my, my juices flowing again because they were so uh, much of a creative impulse and jolt of excitement that I felt, seriously, I felt like cataracts were falling off of my eyes. Now, I have a friend, shout out, to Dr. Cindy, who is um, a, um, a learned woman, appreciate her, brilliant teacher and all of that. And she's also an ophthalmologist, excuse me, an optometrist. 
And so from time to time, I'll ask her stuff about, you know, the eyes, eye health and all this. And not only is she that, but she she does iridology. I, I could just say a lot about her. Um, but I've, I've asked her from time to time is about cataracts and glaucoma. And I've always been fascinated with them. And the reason why I've been fascinated with them is that I have come to learn that to me, creativity is the eye of our soul. And so when we want to be creative because everybody has creativity. I'm just going to say that now. If you think you're not creative, it's possible that you have a bad case of cataracts, glaucoma, and those cataracts are probably calcified to the point where you can't see much of anything except for what you're used to. And why is that? To me, now, I don't like to make something so complex, uh, you know, so simplistic with just one answer. So I'm going to just say that one of the ways that you can stop the downward spiral of your ability to be creative is to change your perspective. Now, in in the past, I have talked about my takes on perspective and perception. To me, perception is how we think about things. Perspective is how we see things. And so for me, perspective is my gateway into increasing my ability to be creative. So Michelle, why are you taking the time to talk about creativity, its deterioration, and how to stop that? Well, I'm glad you asked. And if you didn't, you should be asking, okay? I love you enough to tell you that It's going to be real soon, and I'm not trying to shout doom and gloom here, but all indicators lead to the fact that in our near coming future, save for services that we still don't want to do, like our laundry, uh, cooking, you know, restaurants and things like that, you know, things that are heavily serviceable, most of the jobs and the ways people make a living are going away. And you're going to have to have an artistic flair of creativity to make a living. And that means you're going to have to learn how to communicate very well and in unique ways from everybody else so that you don't just become another blah, blah, blah in the background. And you're going to need to be able to be creative enough to find uh, ways to monetize what you believe in, what you like, and what you can see yourself doing for any amount of time. Okay, so there's going to be an artistic element to what we do to make a living. It's like that pendulum is swinging back from the industrial and the um, logical technical age to the age of creativity, magic. Yes, I said the M word and all of that. And it's not where it's those things are going to be abandoned. No, it's more so where technology logistics, logical re- logic and reasoning and all of those types of things are getting to a point where they are removing the superfluous, they are removing the redundancy and they are removing the weak links, which is a lot of times human input of labor. They're going to get to the point where they can automate driving to lower the deaths, to lower um, emissions of uh that contribute to global warming, um, to to even lower the cost of infrastructure so that you don't have to have um, things or roads or bridges or things like that that make no sense any longer. 
and just are simply there because so many people want to drive, you know, um, one person at a time to get somewhere. You know, I could just go on and on down that rabbit trail, but I'm not going to. But I'm going to say that if you heed what study after study, what the news is saying and all of that, if you heed it today and you start upping your ability to be creative in one year, three years, five years, your ability to not only sustain yourself, take care of yourself, but your ability to become a viable, well-respected and powerful contributor to um, society is going to grow exponentially. And yes, there is room for everyone. That is the great thing about this. There is an expansion where creativity is. Trust me, just try to be creative. Go and, and, and try to figure out how to do something. Most people start with gardening or decorating or sewing or something like that that's tactile with your hands. You do that and all of a sudden, if you stick with it, you'll start to be able to come up with things and ways to do stuff. And, and the wonderful thing about creativity is it has an engineering mind behind it. So unlike what most people think who think they're not creative, that, oh, creativity is just for the far out and the woo-woos, no. If you need step-by-step, step, if you need didactic, if you need um, streamline, creativity is there with you. Creativity can do it. Creativity is scientific. I mean, let's face it. A lot of times you have to follow certain steps every time to get the creative outcome that you're looking for. Just look at any kind of recipe. Just look at any kind of uh, method to um, create a, a different um, effect on a dress or, or a different effect in painting or building um, architecture or any of that kind of stuff. All those things are couched in creativity. And so I thought that I would take a little bit of time to, to whomsoever will listen and heed my warning that we all need to stop our creative deterioration, our creative decline. We have to get the cataracts out of our eyes when it comes. For some of you, it may not be cataracts. It might be glaucoma. Yes. Yes, the metaphors keep coming with this one. Glaucoma, unlike the cataract, which is a clouding of that in, of that um, see-through lens of uh, from the back of the eye to the front for you to be able to see, glaucoma is a collection of fluids that press against the eye and cause massive headaches um, and a deterioration of how the eye functions, where you don't want to look at anything and you get light sensitivity, night blindness, and all this kind of stuff. And for those people who have all this pressure, one of the things I have found, especially when I've been blessed for people who come to me and say, hey, I think I want to go on and start writing. Um, I'm going to be retiring in a few years and I want to walk into having a business where I have a backlist and, you know, some money coming in. And the first thing they tell me is I'm, they either say I'm not good with grammar or I'm not that creative. And I'm like, we can fix both. <laughs> and so what I like about that is they're willing to do it. What I find a lot of times is, is remember I talked about that calcification uh, where your creativity is so tight and so unused that it needs to be loosened up. 
that's what I kind of call my glaucoma situation, where there's so much pressure um, of creativity that's been wanting to get out that is painful when the person sits down to fin- finally write. A lot of times I have people that say, oh, I just have this story. I've got to get out. I've got to get out. And I'm like, okay, great, write it. And I'll tell a lot of people, and I'll tell you here, usually the first story you ever write is for you. It is a therapeutic and a a cathartic release to help you unclog the creative pipes that fuel creative writing. And so people write that book. And then sometimes people who have been had stories trapped in their heads since they were little kids can write a good series. And then after they've written anywhere from two to maybe seven books, they're like, I got nothing else. And I'm like, it's not that you have nothing else. That was just the backlog. Now we have to get it where you become a conduit for when creative for how creativity flows through you. So to be more creative. And why, like I said, why I was so excited about the Orconomics book and then The Son of a Leech is because he showed me a different way to approach my writing that I hadn't considered before. Um, I mentioned a book the other day by Dr. Um, Eric Anderson called uh, Peak, and it talked about how people become um they become experts. It's the science of ex- of being an expert. And he gave the um, story of how the four-minute mile had been this big thing that they just said, humans cannot run a mile in under four minutes. They just cannot. And then this guy, lo and behold, in the 1970s comes and he runs that mile. And it was the mile heard around the world or seen around the world where um, athletes and people who wanted to know how to do this studied his technique. And just by seeing what he did and learning the mechanics of what he did, they now had an update and an upgrade to the possibility and their creativity was sparked. And then people were running for under four minutes all the time. Uh, Dr. Aaron, um, Erickson even jokes that he says, you go to a good high school or a college meet and you might find somebody there running under a four minute mile. And so it's become very doable. And that is because we see, we see a new angle, a new way of doing something. Remember when I talked about perception and perspective and how to me, perspective is a gateway into updating, invigorating, and displaying or even channeling creativity. You know, there's this uh, this saying that I've heard all the time, but I, I have been uh, meditating on it from time to time, especially when I get stuck or uh, my writing seems stale or I don't want to write. You know, that happens. Don't let anybody fool you. And so I'll meditate on a few things. I'm going to just share them with you guys if that's okay with you. And when it comes to perspective, I I meditate on always looking for the uh, best expectation with my perspectives. So when I look at something, I always want to look at the magnificence. Uh, I think I, when I speak and, and, and go on other people's podcasts and whenever I do something, they'll ask me to tell them a tagline or whatever. And I tell people I'm a magnificence hunter. Now that's not because I'm all of that. No, it is because I understand that my livelihood, my life, my ability to be creative is tied to my perspective of how 
I see stuff. And so when I meditate, I always try to remind myself, and this is for you, beloved, if you're listening, I always remind myself that you always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for good, bad, possible, or impossible, you will always find what you're looking for. And so that's one of the things that I always meditate on. You know, there was um, this um, this uh, person who said, and I think uh, Tony Robbins has said it as well. Uh, among, now, it's not the one that you get what you're planning for, but it's this, that you get what you expect. Now, with that one, I always tell myself and I always I try to write down little things that keep me going. And I, I wrote down and I remember this. I wrote down. Uh, I was like, you get what you expect, not what you fantasize. And so I always go back and check what is really my expectation. And what I found is that my expectations, dastard, you know, a- expectations are usually tied to what I have previously achieved. And therein is a disconnect because creativity Creativity likes to be innovative and new and fresh and expectations tend to like to rely on what is known and old and established. And so my expectations and my creativity have to make nice with each other. And in order to do that, I have some quotes that I I like. Now, I have a whole bunch of them. And the fact that I have not mentioned this book before amazes me because I normally, anybody who will listen, it's it's been around for a while, but it's one of my um, go-to books on, on creativity. And it's not about creativity in the sense that you would think. It's about a history of Pixar. Yeah, the, the company, the animation company Pixar. And it's called Creativity Inc. And the subtitle is really cool. The subtitle is Overcoming the Unseen Forces That Stand in the Way of True, in, True Inspiration. And it's by Ed Catmull. Now, Ed Catmull was the co-founder and he used to be the president of Pixar. And he talked about when he was in college and studying computers and, and he had a dream. He couldn't write for nothing, but he had a dream that he would be able to use computers to animate and create stories through animation. And at the time when he was coming up, computers were not made for that. Computers, like I said before, computers were very utilitarian. They were for utility, for use, for um, um, for uh, analytical stuff. Computers were not for uh, entertainment in the way he wanted to use them. Yeah, they had little handhelds, you know, Game Boys and stuff like that, but they weren't made for that. And so for him, he was going into uncharted territory. And I just tell you, get the book. I, like I said, I always tell people, get the book, get the book. Um, it even talks about Steve Jobs and uh, his intersections with them and uh, the time, uh, his Apple, then his post Apple, and then back to his Apple. It's just a really good book, like a fly on the wall kind of book. They even talk about the the situation with Disney from the horse's mouth of what was going on from the other side. It's just, like I said, I could keep going on and on about that. But I'm going to talk about two of my favorite insights and advice that I think I got from Mr. Catmull when I'm uh, working with creativity. And that is, the first one is, and it's so powerful that he said it like this. Now, he was talking to people who are trying to run teams, but I said, he's talking to me. And so I kind of like updated it to be individualized. And he said, if you don't strive to uncover what is unseen and understand its nature, 
you will be ill-prepared to lead. Now, for me, I changed lead to succeed because it's just me. I'm a solopreneur, so I, I, that's, that's that. And so because of that, when he said, if you don't strive to uncover what is seen, unseen, I was like, bingo, that's what it is. When I am looking at my perspective, I'm looking for magnificence. I'm looking for the stuff that shimmers and gives you just a slight hint that it's there. I'm looking for the other side of the rainbow. I'm looking for the mirror image. And I'm I'm, I'm laughing because that came in because I just read an article about um, uh, in science where they're actually doing experiments to prove that there is a mirror image mirror world to ours. I might drop that link in here too, just for, you know, kicks and giggles if you want to read it, you know, and geek out with me. Okay. But anyway, he says that you need to not only strive to uncover what's unseen, but this is the part that really got me, you guys. Listen up, listen up, listen, Linda, listen. And that is you need to understand its nature. Understanding the nature of what is unseen, I'm going to tell you, that's some hot mess. Now, um, from time to time, I like to talk about my uh, favorite quotes. And I have a quote that kind of drives me, I guess I could say. And one of the things that I like about this is that uh, it's a forecasting. He he is, how, how can I say it? He is like the guy that people go to when they're they're wanting to future cast. And this is um, Edward Osborne Wilson. And he's known as E.O. Wilson. He was a futurist, but, but this is the thing. He was like a botanist, a naturalist and stuff. And so he did a lot of study with plants and stuff. But for how he talked, he was always a, a great future caster and all of those things. And so anyway, here's my, my favorite quote. And that is, he says, we are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. The world henceforth will be run by synthesizers. Let me say that part again. And, you know, check out how he said henceforth. Who uses henceforth? That's that. That's that's E.O. Wilson for you. This part, he says, the world henceforth will be run by synthesizers. People able to put together the right information at the right time. Think critically about it and make important choices wisely. If that's not a creative mind, I don't know what is. And we are seeing it right now. There are so many people online that if you type in anything, you can get thousands of pages telling you all this information. And you know, we have the most information now, but what do people want? They want someone who can, yeah, synthesize it down and make it the right information contextually. When he talks about time, time is context to us. We want it in the right context when we need it. And and when he talks about thinking critically about it, that's what uh, Ed Catmull is talking about when he says, not only do you need to see the unseen, but you also need to know the nature around it. And so that's when I'm like, ding, 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 ding. You know, all these kind of things keep coming together. And then this is the most important part. Make important choices wisely. So when I talk about um, creativity and the deterioration of it and why it's important, it's for this very thing. Um, I heard something from Gary Vee the other day that was quite funny. And he was like, uh, he, he, he was making something uh, funny and he says, I'm going to have, and I'm paraphrasing what he said because he didn't say it like this. He said it a lot rougher, but this is a clean channel, y'all. 
And he was like, um, in 25 years, when uh, truckers get mad because they have no jobs, he says, I'm not going to have any sympathy for them. He says, because they will have had 20 to 20, 20 to 25 years to get prepared. We're telling you now it's going away. He says, don't try to vilify AI. He said, just try to understand that AI is going to take away those things that humans probably could do better at doing other stuff than trying to operate a truck for long distances where you're going to get sleepy and you're going to possibly have incidents, you know, deteriorated health, um, accidents and all that kind of stuff. And it made perfect sense to me, you know, and so I, like I said, my mind goes back to that favorite quote by E.O. Wilson. My mind goes back to this statement by Ed Catmull when he wrote Creativity Inc. about being able to uncover the unseen and understand its nature. And then he said, you'll be, if you don't do this, you'll be ill prepared to lead. I was like, well, why is it that he talks a lot about leadership around the context of creativity? Well, that's another reason why this is really on my mind. And I'm probably going to do other podcasts about this. And I know you guys are like, oh, she keeps going on about this creativity. But I'm telling you, this is how you're going to be able to feed yourself and your family in the next few years. Do you know one of the biggest uh, areas that people are sourcing for today? People are talking about big data and coding. Nope. That's been around and people are learning that kind of stuff. What's going to happen? When you've got a gluttony of coders out there and the, de- the demand is not as high because the thing with, with AI and technology, it should be getting better. It should always be getting better. And the better for technology equals less, less uh, complicated, less power needed, less people. Case in point, pick up your cell phone and know that your cell phone contains exponentially more power than it took to get people to do extraordinary things throughout history. Okay, this one little uh, computer that you have in your hand is bigger than the first personal computers that came out. Heck, it's, it's faster and bigger than computers that were coming out three years ago. Let's just be honest. So, yeah, there's that. And so we are getting to the point where you have to be able to communicate. Um, it's an atrocity reading people's comments and, and how people are trying to talk to each other online. It's I'm not talking about the grammar and the syntax. I'm talking about being able to make a point instead of rambling where nobody seems to understand what you're saying. You know, so co- uh, communication is a big one. Um, another one is to be able to do what E.O. Wilson says, to make wise choices by synthesizing the right information at the right time for people to answer the questions that they want. Y'all, this is way more than writing some books or painting or writing a movie script. Creativity is becoming our life. And, and uh, I'm going to tell you what, if you ever tr- try to see how you are in crea- on creativity, Try to write a letter to to a friend that you're never gonna you're never possibly gonna send, but try to sit down and write a letter, or put together a speech, or put together a presentation, and that is going to tell you why creativity is so freaking important. Now, there's another one that I quickly want to say from my boy Mr. Ed Catmull, and that is, like I said, I have a lot of them that I like to review from time to time, but I'm sharing these two with you today. And that is, he says you want to take more creative risk, but the only way you can take more creative risk, and again, he's talking to a team, but I 
individualized it for myself. He said, the only way that you can expect your team to take more risk is by preparing a way for it to be safe for them to do so. And that is basically having a safety net for when they fall. Now, I did a podcast um, about inversion, the inversion strategy of how um, people of um, a vast success and billionaire status, whatever you want to talk about it, how they look at their world. And that is they go backwards, they invert it, they turn it upside down and they look instead of trying to figure out how to succeed and hit their goal, they look at what could go wrong and do away with that. So when they plan, they plan not to necessarily hit the goal they because they already believe. Remember I talked about expectations? They are, their expectation is that they're going to hit that goal. So they don't even worry about that. They don't even plan for that. They plan for doing away with everything that could go wrong so that it's smooth sailing, getting what they want. Um, Example, when they want to have a new venture, they look at what resources they're going to need. And not only do they have resources, and I'm I'm talking about human as well, not only do they have resources, they hire firms who do specific tasks on retainer just in case they need them. That is some big balling creativity to me. Um, Okay, so for me, you say, how do you make this individualized? Well, for me, if when when there's something I'm trying to do, I make a budget for it. Or uh, I, I, for me, a lot of times it's an educational allocation. So if something that I want is hidden behind a paywall and it's within reason, I'll purchase it and consume the information so that I will know how to have my own personal loss mitigation against what can go wrong. That includes making sure that I have a good plan. And in my plan, I'm just going to tell you now, in my plan, I have not only an implementation phase, but an execution phase. Implement how to take what I want and put it into steps of how to get it. And then execution, how to take those steps and roll it out, do the actual work. Um, when I talked about masterminds, I talked about the difference between just a plan and a mastermind is someone who actually has an eloquent plan that they have successfully done. And then my biggest point on this is having an accountability element, being accountable to people to not only keep my feet to the fire, but also give me feedback on to, as to how I'm doing. And so these are the things that I want to share with you today about creativity and not letting it slide or deteriorate. But guess what, you guys? Yep. My time is up and I sure do thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Thank you. You know what to do. Share, like, rate, review, and continue to support us if you would when you go to Amazon by using our Amazon link, michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It'll take you directly to Amazon. I appreciate it. And guess what? I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, 
Please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.